Hey guys, wanted to jump in right here to let you know that we had a recording mishap while wrapping up this episode. So on the other side of what we did manage to record, you will hear me jump in to give the closing ratings and some closing thoughts on the episode. So stay tuned. Thank you for being with us and enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Thank you for listening. What we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail, in addition to talking all things Trek. Today, we are reviewing Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 1, Kobayashi Maru. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, Starting with none other than Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. Excited to talk about this absolutely wonderful episode of Discovery. We are finally here. And I just, I, it was just good, man. It's good. So, yeah, I'm happy. And also on the podcast, we have Kyle Jones. How you doing, man? You know what? I will echo what Jonathan said. Always glad to be on this show, but particularly happy that we are here to talk Discovery. So glad to be here. So what about you? How are you? I'm doing great, man. I am deep within the backwoods of Mississippi doing this recording. So uh, something new. We hope it turns out well. But, you know, I feel your pain the last few weeks, John. I feel your I feel your pain with the Internet thing. Yeah. But we are here to review Star Trek Discovery Kobayashi Maru, which is the first episode of season four of Star Trek Discovery. The episode was written by Michelle Paradise, Jenny Lumetz, Alex Kirksman. The episode was directed by Alan Wan and Olatande Asensame. After months spent reconnecting the Federation with distant worlds, Captain Michael Burnham and the crew of the USS Discovery is sent to assist a damaged space station, a seemingly routine mission that reveals the existence of a terrifying new threat. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. Like always, we go to Kyle Jones for the beats of the episode, sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. You never know. Kyle Jones, what do you have for us this week? So I'm going to keep it short and simple. The queen is not a pet, yet the Discovery crew finds the future in a state of flux. Interesting. Interesting stuff there. John, did you have a comment, sir? No, I was just trying to wrap my mind around those beats. So let me say it again. The queen is not a pet, while the Discovery crew finds the future in a state of flux. I didn't think I would think this hard in this episode. <laughs> Trust me, you won't get the you, you may get the start of my uh, beat. You won't get the end of my beat. I can assure you. Mr. Brown likely will. You won't. And you'll understand why when we get into it. Yes, and it's definitely a who reference, which I'm sure Kyle will dive into a little bit later. But, John, we do want to go to you to see what your high level opinion of this episode is. What did you think, man? Intriguing, action packed, maddening, <laughs> surprising, <laughs> all of the above. Uh, great episode, man. It my only my only gripe is that it seemed like it was too short. Hmm. Kyle, did you have anything to add, man? 
Absolutely. So mine's going to be a little bit differently because this is something that I actually was thinking while we were or while I was watching it, which was I want to start with an apology. And the apology goes to Mary Wiseman, because when we first started this podcast, I was one of the voices that was really degrading as a character, the character of Tilly. And for some reason, watching this, it just made me think damn, Kyle, you were stupid, because this is an awesome character. So that is my initial thought of this episode is I loved it, loved it, just like, um, you know, Jonathan was saying all the things that he just said. But I also want to say that because Tilly is an awesome character. Yeah, she is. She she definitely is. For me, I really thought they went big and action packed for this episode they were trying to uh, almost blow the budget on this one, but show us a bunch of tech, a, st- a bunch of whiz bang. Honestly, for me, it took me for a minute to get back into the discovery mode of thinking because we've seen so much prodigy. We've seen so much lower decks and it just seemed like it's been so long since we've been in this again, discovery mode of thinking and storytelling. And I had to get back more in the mood of, it felt like I was back in that high cinematic movie mode that Discovery has been known for. Do you mind if I give you a suggestion? So here's what I do, and I think this will help with what you're talking about. Regardless of what podcast I'm on, if I'm about to watch a new episode or a new premiere of a new season of whatever that is... If it is a sequential show, I will go back before watching the premiere. I will go back and watch the finale of the previous episode. Uh. I mean, the previous season. And I did that before watching uh, Discovery. And I was right into it. (laughs) You know, I kind of had the opposite feeling from you because I had just come off of watching 50 minutes of the finale with the green woman that that was the bad guy last time (laughs) and you know seeing her and i went into it like fresh and was like bang 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 so that would be my suggestion is do that because it really helps well you know cal now i mean you i was going to mention this uh in a little bit more into it but you're right that does help but what i was going to mention they actually did a great job for me with the previous season recap. Yeah. And like that brought me like, I think if we, if I hadn't had that, like you're absolutely right, Kyle. Like I think the most benefit will be gained from watching the finale of season three, uh, because going into this first episode without any reference or any refresher would have done it injustice, but they did a great job with that last season recap before this came. And it just kind of put me right back into the discovery mind frame. Yeah. And I totally agree. But, but I will say for me, it wasn't so much the story beats because I, I did written articles in, in addition to our reviews for every episode of last season. So I was still familiar with the story beats. It was just the, I guess just the big budget they were putting into these episodes that really, I don't know. After we've been reviewing TOS and reviewing various other TNG episodes and and eventually coming back to this, it's just like a shocker almost, you know? That being said, 
uh, let's go ahead and get right into some of the episode. And let's let's just start with that opening diplomatic mission, which I guess is going to be the theme of the season. Definitely sort of the theme of the first part of this episode is rebuilding the Federation. What does that mean? And what do we have to do to get there? Any takeaways from this first mission to reestablish Federation ties uh, via goodwill gesture, <laughs> shipment of the lithium, no strings attached in any any thoughts on this first mission here? Loved it. Totally loved it. I mean, if I were if I were to kind of elaborate on loved it, the fact of they were using the cat as a story point, loved it because I'm a cat person. Number one. Number two. I love the play on intentions because it wasn't just your let's go to a planet, let's give them dilithium, let's, you know, everything be hunky dory and they leave. There's conflicts. There's a new race that's introduced. There's, you know, misunderstandings based on what one group perceives <laughs> an intention to be versus the other. I just liked it. That That's my thought. <laughs> yeah, the the outshines were pretty cool. The the butterfly people. <laughs> Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. Well, for me, this no get me wrong. This was a great scene, and I loved it. And I think they did exactly what they set out to do. Which, in in my opinion, it was to kind of show, and it's sort of kind of what we touched on last season. I know I mentioned it. We were kind of talking about the difference between Michael Burnham being captain and Saru being captain or Tilly being captain. Like I, it, it kind of put a I don't know how to explain it. So Michael Burnham's approach just seemed very clunky. It's the best way I can say yeah. it. And what that did. And I think their purpose of that and we'll not see further on in the show a little bit more of it is kind of pointing out those flaws of Michael Burnham's as far as being in a leadership role. Well, not even a leadership. I think she's a great leader, but I mean, it just kind of went back. We said this before. It takes a certain type of person to be the captain of a starship. And it's more than just, do you know the book forward and back? Can you, how do you handle tense situations? And can you react? Do you know what the, I mean, you, you know all of that, but then there's also this layer of diplomatic communications where, I just feel like Saru would have made this a more, a smoother interaction now. And I'm not faulting them for that. Like I, that was part of the storyline. They did a great job and they, to me pointed out that weakness in Michael Burnham. And I just thought that stood out more than anything, but short of that, like great. I agree with Kyle. Like I'm glad that they were able to bring the queen back into the storyline. Cause I mean, grudge never really had a big part, but, I mean, also Grudge has a big following, like her own Twitter account. And like people love Grudge. And I'm glad that they're keeping her in the storyline. Yeah, they, they definitely were throwing a little love to Fe- uh, Felis Caddis there, <laughs> the queen. <laughs> it, it was interesting. You know, I, I think they were trying to start, definitely start the season with this uh, bang, this cold open is bang. And for me, in some ways it really worked, in some ways it didn't. I, I, I almost feel like they were trying too hard to be energetic and funny and do the mission at the same time. I had problems with Book being on the mission, first of all, um, a not a first contact, not a second contact, but a reestablishing of the Federation with this world that seems like the Federation had fell out of good graces with when the burn had started to go down. 
and supplies were short and they kind of fell out of lock and step with this this race of people or this planet of people here. So I kind of felt like it was weird to bring Book along out of every other person on the ship. But going back to what you said, John, I do feel like they accomplished what they were trying to accomplish. It was fun. It was upbeat. It was funny at moments. It was energetic and it was a kickoff. You know, it's, it's hard to top that kickoff that we had from the beginning, the opening moments of last season. I don't think you could ever top that off, but they definitely tried their best to do it with this one. Yeah. And in defense of those, the uh, writers and putting book in this situation, which I get that count, and this was kind of obviously placed to explain that. But she did say, you know, the reason she brought book was so that he could, uh, like empath him, like empath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. So, and she she even mentioned that as much. But I mean, his words, he said, I don't really think they're interested in connecting. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty freaking hilarious. (laughs) But see, I'm going to disagree a little bit with you, Clarence. I didn't find it odd for him to be there. To me, I'm looking at a federation that is rebuilding itself. So if you're relying so much on protocol, et cetera, and so forth, you need all the help that you can get. And aside to that, your, and I'm talking about not necessarily you, but your concept of what it was a thousand or 900 years ago has probably likely definitely changed in the 900 years since from when discovery started. So my thought there is chances are it might not be odd to bring him along. Yeah, but I think it's, it's it's going to end up being a microcosm of the problems I think Burnham is going to have this entire season as, in my opinion, I think we're going to move back toward what the Federation was from this point forward, at least trying to get there. And we, we want to talk about some of that later with the establishment of, of the Starfleet Academy uh, and, and, you know, just these diplomatic missions themselves. I think they're trying to move back to... I would probably Burnham would consider Star Starfleet Federation at its peak of what she remembered, you know. So I think we're we're slowly moving back to that point. But you're right. To me, this mission may have harkened to those times from last season or last year that we didn't get when Book and Burnham were out doing these these capers and these missions on their own, and we didn't actually see them. They only told us about them. So it was it was fun to see it, nonetheless. So let's get into some of the Kaminar stuff. We we see the Bayul and the Kelpian Council meeting on Kaminar with their new elder. <laughs> Thoughts on Saru's new role with uh, the, the council, the, the Bayul Kelpian Council there on Kaminar. Any thoughts on that? So when they said elder, what do you think? Like the last person I thought to step out would have been Saru. I'm looking for an older Kelpian as the elder, but then like as he's walking out and I'm questioning why is Saru the advising elder? And then I'm thinking, you know what? Technically, he is by far the oldest Kelpian there. Oh, that's that's some good Doctor Who timey-wimey stuff that I really like. Yeah, let's add the time jump to his age and call him the elder. Which, again, he he did as in the case with Burnham and the rest of the crew of the Discovery, he did see the 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 Federation slash Starfleet in a good state. So he has that knowledge. He has that experience 
to to bring along to the um, the the Kaminoan 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 people <laughs> there. So um, yeah, I love seeing him in that role. And essentially, he's responsible for the Kelpians being where they are now from his yeah. break away from what they known their whole lives back before the time jump. And another thing to think of, very good point. I wasn't even thinking of it from yeah. Elder in the sense of where he came from. Very, very good point. What Where I was going to go with it is keep in mind, Elder doesn't necessarily mean age. Think of it in a religious context. Many churches consider certain positions in the church as an elder, therefore, you don't you don't have to be x number of age i don't think depending on denomination church you know whatever that it's a more of a title not an designation per se right yeah he's definitely it's it's almost like if 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 moses or Mar- or some some person who freed or was integral to freeing some people in the past all of a sudden appeared. And that's basically, as John pointed out, that's basically what Saru is to the, the Kelpian people. He he actually freed them. So he's almost probably like a deity of sorts because he was a part of their, you know, of them being free from this, uh, this, this, this thing that had been trapped in forever. And I, I just find it really cool to see uh, Saru jump in that position. If Alexander Hamilton showed up or if, um, uh, Lincoln or someone like that, people would be, oh, this is yeah. an elder or blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And we learned that he's, he's been there five months. And um, wow, Sukal can tell that he's not happy being there. Uh, let's just go ahead and take this part to the his logical conclusion in this episode. What do we think about Sukal telling Saru that he needs to go? I, I think it's the right move. I think that Saru probably has been thinking this himself, but probably going to be so hard for him to break away from his people knowing that they really needed him and you know maybe maybe they don't need him so much anymore Mm, i'm going to go on the opposite side of that and say well first to address your question uh i I like that way that they put this in uh i don't think saru ever really just wanted to leave discovery but he knew it was his duty to make sure that What's the what's the kid's name? Sukal. Yeah, make sure Sukal would you know acclimate back with his people and learn their ways and you know be like he needed he needed to do that and I don't think Saru wanted to do that but he needed to and the only way Saru would ever leave with Kavanar would be if Sukal he knew Sukal was comfortable and safe and confident in his new life and the only way he was going to get that was from Sukal saying that out of his mouth. But on the flip side of that, I think Saru is going to realize, and I wish, I hope he does, that being this honored elder in their society is beneficial to him. Like they're going to need his guidance and leadership moving forward in this new federation. And it it will be a bad time for him to leave. Mm. So my thoughts are, number one, having watched the finale before watching this, I had forgotten how much the character of Sukal irritated me. 
However, the actor who portrays him is a very good actor because just in those few scenes, he took away my irritation of the character. So, you know, I liked him so much better in this one. And again, that's the actor being able to convey lines that says, okay, you were irritated, but now I'm not. So kudos to him. But as far as uh, Saru goes, I think that Saru needed them more than they needed him in some aspect. And what I mean by that is he, I think, will come back to Discovery or come back to the series proper as a more rounded character. I think we will see less of this unsure that, you know, that we've seen him morph out of over the last three Seasons, I think the this is the season where he will come into himself more than what we've seen. That's my prediction. Yeah. And, and before we move on, I love what Sakal said at the end there. He's like, I'm safe. I'm loved. I'm happy. You know, I just love those words. And also, I loved Saru's explanation of how Kaminar fits into the greater world as we saw this map. Uh, as suspended in the middle of the room and he kind of pulls out and shows the galaxy and keeps pulling out. Yeah, it just shows us how insignificant we are in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> but he's just trying to explain to them how we're all interconnected and you're a piece of the puzzle and and, and you shouldn't curl inward. Um, you have to interconnect and, and honor that connection. So I really love all, everything there. So getting into some of the early happenings with the uh, speech from the president. We learned that Burnham is, is, is going to speak to the new Starfleet Academy cadets, which I think is, is, is awesome. We get a lot of good information. We, we get the information that it's been 125 years since Starfleet Academy last was up and running up from 38 to 59 member worlds now in the federation you know they hardly ever use a cloaking shield as they did before and finally we get introduced to our new president of the federation laura Rillick. what what were you guys initial thoughts on her at the and maybe just talk throughout the whole episode because she may be the most other than this gravitational distortion and this this meteor stone we got on space station she is like the other antagonist in this episode and I don't really know how to frame her. We, we get word from Burnham early on that she doesn't like politicians, which that's new to me as well. I didn't really know she had an issue with politicians. Any, any thoughts on the president here and just, just really weird that Burnham would come out and say that she doesn't like politicians so quickly before we get introduced, but obviously they were setting us up for something. So any thoughts? Yeah. So first off, I'd be remiss without saying it was awesome to see a Cardassian as the president of the Federation. <laughs> like you would never in a million years have thought that possible. Yeah. I mean, these were like one of the last few remaining enemies of the Federation from the last trick to now that we know of. Now, isn't she a uh, Cardassian human and Bajoran as well? She's mixed with the three, I believe. Well, I know I see Bajoran, the the wrinkled nose, and I know Cardassian, but I don't know about human. I guess you could be. I may have heard that somewhere. 
Yeah. Oh, well, I hadn't, I hadn't read that or heard that, but it's possible. I mean, it's by all means possible. And like the first thing I thought of, you know, there was a uh, on DS9, uh, Zial was half Cardassian, half Bajoran. So, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if that was like one of her descendants? You know, I had to give her credit where credit is due. But coming away from that, like, I got a bad feeling this is going to be the new Kai Wen. Hmm. Interesting. That's the kind of that's the reaction I get from her throughout this episode. Like she's, you know, she's everything she does. She's saying on a front that it's for the good of the Federation, but really it's for the advancement of herself, which is what I think Michael Burnham is sensing. I, I would I would really want to know her motivation because I don't think I got that from this episode. We we know that there's some ulterior motive or some intention that she has in her direction and the way she's even judging Michael Burnham, even from the start here. But I really want to know what her motivation is, because that's the that's the piece that I'm missing. But it does. It does seem very much antagonistic. Well, and we're I know we're a lot of time in the future. So, I mean, I have to allow for the passage of time to change things. But Cardassians always have an ulterior motive and mm. that always leads to them being in power some sort of way. And they always do it with a smile on their face with the the false intention of helping. Mm. See, I think I, I get your point, but I think we might be judging her a little bit too harshly because I don't want to judge one Kardashian based on all Kardashians. I don't, you know, I don't, are Kardashian, not Kardashian. You could judge them. <laughs> I, you know, I don't care. Uh, but um, that said, they need to have a better name than Kardashian. Anyway, um, that, that all said, I'm not sure if she is a, as much as an adversary as we might think she was. I'm just not sure. Well, again, mm -hmm. going back to the past, that's the same thought every time we have an interaction with a Cardassian. Like, the best Cardassian we have met was Garrick on DS9. And still, there were many times where he actually harmed the effort, whatever the effort was, just to benefit himself. Uh, but it, he at least had enough good in his heart that when they tried to stop him, he would stop. <laughs> yeah, good stuff there. I can't wait to, to hear more about this new character. I think she's very fascinating at the very least. But before we move on to this distress call that we got there, I wanted to mention a few more things about this ceremony, which is the new Jonathan Archer space dock, complete with the Star Trek Enterprise closing theme song. Was that not heartwarming? That was awesome. <laughs> so great. Hey, they play. They played the closing. They didn't play the opening theme song. Let's just be happy. Let's just be happy, okay? It, it was good though. It was good. But here we go with all these detached the sails. Like that bothers me. <laughs> the Voyager in the space dock there, yeah. Yeah, like, and then I don't know if those were ships back there or other detached parts of the ship. I just don't know. <laughs> also, we get to see the new dress uniforms, which I thought. I think the dress uniforms look better than the real uniforms, in my opinion. I cannot stand the new uniforms, to be honest. They just look weird to me, man. I don't know what it is. Also, we see uh, Vance's family, which I thought was really cool. And, and finally, Bryce has been consulting on another ship. 
uh, and we had this new guy in for him at at the communications officer. Now, I I think I heard Tasha, our friend Tasha Pierce, say that he was shooting something else. That's why he wasn't on earlier. But, you know, it was, it was cool to see him. Looks like he's kind of a mentor this season, maybe a little bit. And also, before we move on, it looks like everybody got a bump in rank this season. If you look on IMDb, everybody is all lieutenant commander, which I don't I'm not sure that's what they were last year. Ensign Tall, we have Lieutenant Sylvia Tilly. So, you know, we got some bumps in rank going on this season, which I think is really cool. And it's kind of fitting. I mean, if you have Michael bump up to captain, somebody has to bump up for her and somebody else has to bump up for them. So, I mean, eventually everybody bumps up. Yeah. Yeah. Too cool. Too cool. We get this just call from Commander Nollis, who is on the Deep Space Repair Beta 6 which he sends the distress call saying that their systems have been knocked offline. And of course, none other, other than the USS Discovery to get there quickly and address the situation. Now, they do mention really fast that Quijan is in the system, but they opt to just use use the Discovery to get there really fast and alert the 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 uh, Quijanese people. So the president, you know, again, you talk about ulterior motives and even Burnham says that the president elects to be a part of this mission, which I thought was really weird. But OK, <laughs> I guess let's get into just this 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 scene that we see of the space station spinning in uncontrollably. And let's just dive into any part of this rescue mission. Thoughts on the look, the feel. And I want to comment specifically on Ensign Tall because I don't like the direction they've chose to go in for her this season because it seems like she's taken a step back and she's more childlike in this season, in my opinion. But any thoughts on the the, the repair station and, and maybe dive into Tall and Tilly and some of the happenings that happened during this scenes? I don't necessarily think she had taken a step back. I actually thought her character took a step forward in the sense of she wasn't just, and I don't want to say moping around, but it's like she actually had something to do that was not being, I don't, you know, like the fish out of water character from, from last time. I felt like she had a purpose and she was going towards something, which I really, really liked. As far as the rescue, I liked seeing the upside downness of some of the scenes where it, I know it was just flipping the camera. So here we are. This is as far as we got before the recording snafu, which I may put in <laughs> the actual meltdown of when my computer shut off at the very end of this episode. So keep listening past the credits for that. But yeah, let's talk about the last act of this episode. So we have the new Federation president and Burnham basically going at it after the closing moments of this, this daring rescue by Captain Burnham of Nollis, Tilly and Tall at the very end. And you know, I'm still trying to frame on why why she dislikes politicians so much. I think we may get more of that. But the fact that Sarek is kind of like an ambassador slash politician, I'm kind of still not understanding what her uh, dislike is so much. So hopefully we'll get some more of that in the coming episodes. So Burnham even said it near the end of last season 
where someone mentioned that this is a no win situation. And she was like, I don't believe in those. So she doesn't think there is any situation she can't overcome. And, you know, from what we've seen, (laughs) I think there are very few that she can't. So I see why she had that mindset. But obviously we know that it could be a problem to have that mindset as well, because every situation is obviously not going to be winnable. But maybe Burnham has yet faced that situation where she didn't think she could win or come out on top. So you have the president there giving it a little bit of levity saying, hey, you know, that is very destructive going forward. We get the whole pendulum speech, pendulum slash wrecking ball. You know, it's a very fine line between the two or so we're told. So, yeah, I love the wrap up. It seems like we're going to have a bit of contention between the president and Burnham in this situation. And I also love that Vance really can't step in and do anything. Adam Vance is just like, you know, uh, you have to deal with her. She's the president. So let's see where all that goes. It is very interesting. I want to see more growth from Tall in this season, just to pivot a little bit. Because, again, I mentioned before the episode cut off, it seemed like she she's taken a bit of a more childlike sense in this episode back, you know, being an ensign. And it it reminds me a lot of of uh, Ezra Dax, as we saw the confident uh, Jadzia. And then we had Ezra, obviously the same symbiote, but she was more childlike and more fidgety and, you know, learning the ropes. It, it, it was just different. It was just different. And I'm not quite sure why Adira has kind of taken a step back here. It seemed like she's more confident last season, but again, they may just be framing her in that ensign role and, can't wait to see more growth from her. So that that should be interesting and fun to see. And also the Alderaan moment that we get with Book and his planet at the very end of the episode really had my jaw on the floor like I couldn't believe it. And obviously this this space distortion, gravimetric, whatever it is, <laughs> is going to be this anomaly. Excuse me. It's going to be a huge, huge threat this season And just like the burn, it's going to be interesting to see what the root of that is. And hopefully, just hopefully, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Hopefully, the resolution is going to be a bit more exciting than a child's temper tantrum, which, um, yeah, I think a lot of people don't like that. So, you know, I, I actually think it may be an enemy threat this time. It would be weird to me for this to be a naturally occurring thing to where we've had but we're in the 3180s now and we haven't seen anything like this. So I have a feeling that this was caused by some race somewhere, some race of people, some species of people somewhere that have have created this. It would be cool if it was just science and maybe that's what we need it to be for this season. Maybe we need to have a real science problem that we're tackling and that we're trying to get to the root to. So I'm anxious to see where that goes. But overall, my rating for this episode Kobayashi Maru is going to be a 4.5 and that's across the board for both Cal and Jonathan. I was able to contact them and get their ratings as well. It's going to be a 4.5 for us all. I really think it's a really, really strong start to the season. Again, I can't wait to see where they go with it. They're definitely setting up a great mystery to follow over the course of the season. We have a bit of uh, antagonism with the Federation president 
And overall, it seems like the Federation is in a very good place. We're starting back Starfleet Academy, which is amazing. We have our new Jonathan Archer space dock, which also, you know, is, is a space dock. What else can you say? But we did see the the new Voyager there, which was pretty cool. And, you know, the visuals are off the charts in this episode. It's going to be interesting to see how Michael Burnham not only navigates the new president, but how she navigates having book on the ship uh it's going to be a tough time for book this season with his people and his planet having its alderaan moment and going bye-bye so yeah a lot to look forward to this season i can't wait for the next episode and i'll just say before i kind of wrap this up what did you think of the episode what are your thoughts please send that in to fans at discussingtrek.com or hit us up at discussing trek on any and all social media like i always say guys thank you for joining along for the ride and until next time live long and prosper thanks for listening to the discussing trek podcast for more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Adventure. Your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right, it's the podcast Discussing Who, exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present, and future. Find out more at discussingwho.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. <laughs>